0: You're listening to episode 45 of Daughters on Fire with Robin Arab and Melissa Burton. In today's episode, Robin and I want to talk to you about rest. Now, this is not some luxury self-care talk. We're going to be boiling it down to the necessity of taking care of your most basic needs. Those include rest and nutrition, but today we really want to focus on getting enough sleep the stigma around getting enough sleep and how you might be able to work it into your caregiving world so stay tuned
1: are you stressed burned out and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent
0: if you are this podcast is for you here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing and most importantly supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors
1: You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. Welcome back. Today, it's Melissa Burton and Robin Arab with Daughters on Fire, and we are going to talk about something that's really important that none of us get enough of, rest and energy and taking care of you while taking care of your loved one. So recently, Melissa did a podcast and I was listening to it and all these ideas triggered in my head. And, and one of the things I want Melissa to start out by talking about why we need rest and what it does for us as caregivers.
0: Okay. So one of the things that I mean we all logically know that rest is important, right? But I think a lot of times enough rest is oh, the eight hours or feeling rested, people put out there as a luxury, right? People think, no, that's for people who aren't caregiving. That's for people who aren't managing all of their responsibilities in lives. That's not for women, right? Enough rest is not for us. But- What I was alluding to and what I have been in several presentations and on that podcast that you were mentioning is that if you were to look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the very, very basic need that you build all other needs and all other growth on are the physiological needs. So that is your health, your your security as in your shelter, warmth, food, all that kind of intake and rest. So that is fundamental in growing all other needs and everything else you need from that. So if you expect to be a good caregiver, how are you going to be a good caregiver when you're not getting adequate rest? You know, I don't know about you, Robin, but how many hours do you need per night to really feel good and rejuvenated the next day?
1: Well, everybody is really going to be shocked about this. Honestly, I need a lot of sleep and 10 hours. If I have 10 hours of sleep, I feel great. Anything less than that, I do feel like I've been cheated or I've been, yeah. I, I've, I've hardly slept at all. So do that- you go to
0: bed early and wake up? You know, early or do you like to sleep in
1: when you can? I just like to sleep. But typically I, <laughs> <laughs> I go to bed fairly early um, between 930 and 10. But then I will wake up between 7 and seven thirty, seven 7 and 8. And then on a rare weekend, sometimes I will sleep till 8 or so. But Robin, that, that
0: cracks me up what you said. I saw in the store the other day, my, my husband and I were grocery shopping and it was a guy wearing it, which I love that even more that a guy was wearing this sweatshirt and the shirt said, I like to party. And by party, I mean, take naps. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. <laughs> and my husband looked at me and he's like, that's you. I, I am also somebody who needs my rest. I do like napping and I like sleeping. I, I I would think I'm kind of there with the, I can function and feel rested on eight hours of sleep. Um, I can do more, <laughs> but I go to bed really early. These days I've probably been getting 10 hours of rest. It, but isn't it funny that we talk about sleep and napping like it's something to be embarrassed about?
1: Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And as you said earlier, a luxury. And so- when I was listening to your podcast about all of this and I started thinking about young mothers Mm -hmm. and right now our nephew has just had a baby, a new newborn and my daughter's been helping out and the mother is, she's tired and she's exhausted. And I remember those days and I remember my sister-in-law saying to me, are you sleeping well you sleep only so much because of of the baby getting up and the baby schedule same thing right. with it, caregiving It's like disrupted sleep. Right, right. And so if you are caregiving for somebody and they're getting up at night, it's the same thing. And not only that, maybe they're not getting up, but you're worried, you know, the things you're waiting, you're holding, holding on to, are you going to hear that noise and things like that. But the one advice that my sister-in-law gave me that I thought was so good, and, and I have passed it on to who, um, other family members is that Eat. You know, also when you're tired, you don't feel like eating, you don't feel like making a meal or you don't feel like even plating a meal if somebody's bringing the food. But the fact that if you can sit down and eat a full meal, and I remember my mother-in-law cooked something and bless her heart, she wasn't the greatest cook in the world, but that was the best food I ate that night and it made a world of difference. So when you stop and take the time for yourself to actually have a meal, to sit down and I'm not saying leisurely do it because that's just asking way too much, but to actually have a full meal and have rest, that's what gives you the energy to go on. And we all know that when we don't sleep, we don't function. What is it, Melissa, that they say, as far as driving, that
0: you're just as impaired when you're sleepy as you are if you're drunk driving? Yes, that like but if you're really, really exhausted,
1: that's just as dangerous as drunk driving, exactly. so, that's really, it's important. It's important to do it and it's important to function and it makes us nicer people. I know that if I wake up and I haven't had enough sleep, I'm grumpy. We all are. You can and you can only sustain that for so long. Mm-hmm. So often when we're talking caregiving, I will talk to family members and say, if you're bringing somebody in, think about the best way to use those caregivers? Will it be during the day so you can go out and run errands or is it during the night so that you can rest and be ready to take care of the daytime shift or things of that nature? So it's really something that it's important and you need to use it as one of those tools in your toolkit when you're figuring out how to care by how you can get the most out of care for yourself.
0: Yes. And so I love that. And I love that you're bringing up that rest and proper nutrition go hand in hand, as well as hydration. I remember that we had Bethany Thompson on the nutritionist that was talking about the importance of hydration and, and that helping with, you know, sleep and the whole cycle. Just those nutrients, that health, that personal health, again, is the very cornerstone of being a good caregiver. You can't neglect it. And I get that, like what you're saying, Robin, if you have somebody that is living with you and that you're caring for them and they're up and down throughout the night and you're having to assist them, that is extremely taxing. You might wanna sit back and find out strategically, how do you adapt to that? How do you compensate for that if you are having that disrupted sleep at night? I'm sure, I mean, I don't know from a new mom's perspective, Robin, how you were advised to navigate that. I mean, I think tag teaming with your husband, did he kind of help with that? Were you breastfeeding? (laughs) I wish you all could see Robin's face right now. I think it's like probably most moms, especially new moms that may be breastfeeding. It's like, no, it was all on you.
1: Well, let's just put it this way. He thought he was up every time I was up. <laughs> and then the next morning, we'd have a discussion about how often Alex had gotten awake during the night. And he's, he'd say, oh, I didn't realize that. Oh. So, but yes, it, it was, I could hand her off to him and go to the grocery or take a shower or just those type things. You get through
0: it. I guess that's it, is that you definitely get through it. And I understand that a newborn and a mom, and you're just having to plow through those nights and you're the only one that can breastfeed your child that it you feel like it is a luxury sleep. So as if you are to compare that to caregiving, especially if there isn't somebody there to help you, you might start to feel like sleep is a luxury. So what tips do we have taking naps, getting respite, what are solutions to that?
1: Well, you know, when you have a newborn, they always say try to sleep, especially in the beginning, because you're healing yourself because you've you've delivered a baby, that to try and sleep when the baby sleeps. And I don't think that's such a bad idea when you're a caregiver either. I know a lot of times we feel the pressure and often the pressure we put on ourselves to get something done while they're asleep, but it's okay to to relax and to take a nap. And it's even better because those things will wait when you're caring for a loved one. If you have siblings or you have that team that we've talked about so often, that's when you pull the trigger and bring them in. And you've got to do it early on because when you are so exhausted, you can't even think through it. So if you can start early, think through it, move forward and do what you need to do early on, it helps. And so everybody's resting. It might be that your sister's up one night, you're up another night, but you're tag-teaming and everybody's not going 24 hours without sleep constantly. And my other thought is, okay, so they're not, maybe your loved one's not living with you, but it's going to the facility. And right now that's a moot point, but typically it's those visits to the facility. And I know I had a lady I worked with with her family that her father wanted her to come every day. And he had advanced stages of dementia and she was exhausted because she would show up and then he would go through this whole deal and he was angry and he would just really, it was hard for her that he was mean to her and then she would leave, but she felt obligated. This was her duty to do it. And we often talked about, that's not your duty. And it's okay to skip a day. Now, she was an only child, but she had children and she had a husband, cousins that could go in and and do those visits as well. So it's being, just like you said earlier with a baby, it's strategic. How do you pull that in? How do you make that work?
0: Yes. And going to that guilt and that emotional connection to the situation, that could really be taking... That's, again, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, esteem, love, and belonging are part of those higher level of needs, but they don't come until after you meet your basic needs, your physiological needs. So pleasing your parent isn't going to get you anywhere if it depletes your health and you can't show up for them, right? Right. And so you need to you need to weigh that. And yeah, sometimes boundaries can be can be tough and can be disappointing for that person. But you want to show up for them over the long haul. You don't want to really take a toll on your body and then not be able to show up for yourself, your own relationships, and your own family further down the road. So I like what you're saying about the boundaries with a parent. You don't have to go every day. I think a lot of times, especially when people do have somebody in their home with them um, or they're nearby and they – where they once were out of town, they feel the need to go see them, like you said, every day. Or if they're in their own home, they may feel the need to have to spend all of their time with them. But it's like, you know, at one point you live separate lives and you didn't check in with each other and you didn't sit with somebody 24 7. You, you know, they had their autonomy. So think of it that way beforehand, when you loved your parents so very much, were you spending the amount of time you're spending with them now? And the chances are, no, you had your independent lives and that was okay. I get it that they're declining and they the neediness factor increases, but you don't have to spend, if they're living with you, every waking moment with them. You can go out, you can get out, you can maybe take a weekend off and get some respite in there you don't have to feel guilty about time away from them to recharge your batteries.
1: Well, and and you brought up two points that I want to address. One is the respite. And there are facilities that you can actually have your loved ones stay there. Typically they're, they are assisted livings. I think some nursing homes do it as well. That, it's anywhere, I think, from seven to 30 days that they can stay. It's also one way to get a taste of what the community is like, if you're happy with that community or not. But it does give you a break. And especially if you're having surgery or if you're going on vacation, you know your loved one is there and they're taken care of.
0: I think... Yeah, segue on that really quickly. How many people do you know, I know, that have probably put health uh, elective procedures that are really necessary on hold because they're like, how can I caregive and get my knee replacement? How can I caregive and and deal with this health thing that I've that keeps deteriorating? No, you're not doing it. And and that's bad.
1: Well and it goes back to the facilities as well that if you're doing this respite you are putting the care of your loved one in their hands and We've talked about trust before, and that's part of trust because you do need that procedure and you're going to trust that. It's the same thing with having to drop in every day. You don't have to drop in every day because you place them in a facility that you felt would take good care of them. So what's the need for you to come back and forth and make yourself feel, well, it's it's the guilt that's driving it, but there's no need to do that. They are taken care of. They're in a safe environment. The other thing you were saying, I think was interesting when you talk about being together, you weren't together 24 seven before they were sick. And sometimes for me, and and maybe for you, I don't know, you go in, you say, hello, how are you? What else do you have to talk about? Especially if they have advanced dementia. So there's not a lot. And sometimes that's just as stressful to sit there and think, okay, when can I leave? When is the appropriate amount of time that I have stayed? And I I spoke with a lady the other night, her husband has dementia, and she was saying, you know, we come home, we say, how was your day? And that's it. That's the end of the conversation. Now that's her home and it's a different situation, but still they're probably just as disruptive for you to come in as you being there. So,
0: and we don't have the relationships we we once did. Stop treating it that way. Right. Start treating it as the new relationship. And, you know, if it's somebody with advanced dementia and they're in a memory care facility, realize that them seeing you, getting excited, sharing a hug, if you can even do that these days, that that five minutes is extremely valuable to them. You don't necessarily have to sit 50 minutes, like you said, sitting there with them as they're watching TV, those moments in time are so much more valuable to them in short spurts than in long spurts. So that extra 30, 40 minutes that you sat there, you could be doing something else because it's only really appeasing your sense of duty to the relationship you once had, not the relationship you have right now.
1: Right. And you could be taking that time to take care of yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's mm-hmm. that's really the bottom line and there's statistics that are just crazy about how the caregivers will predecease the ones they're caring for because like you said, they put off surgeries, they put off the drinking the water, they become dehydrated, they aren't eating properly, they aren't sleeping, they collapse. It's all sorts of things. So we've got to take care of us to take care of them.
0: Yep, absolutely. And last little thought on this is that not only is it that basic need of rest for your well-being, it's also the emotional rest and letting go of the guilt so that you can really fill up and be so strong and so present with somebody that needs you. It's more important to be rested and present than to be grumpy and depleted right
1: I love that I love being present I think that's terrific
0: yeah being present is a present here for go. the holidays <laughs> alright well hope everybody gets their rest as they head into this holiday season and Robin and I will be back with you next time we hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast if you find this podcast helpful please leave a review so we can reach more women like you You are not alone on your journey, and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.